Welcome to In Our Own Defense Podcast. We're your host, attorney A.D. Winters, founder and managing attorney of VeteransDefender.com and Dr. Dolores Tarver, licensed psychologist. For more information about our podcast, find us on Instagram at In Our Own Defense or via email at InOurOwnDefense at gmail.com. To tell you a little bit more about our mission statement, our mission is to share truths and create dialogue that increases our listeners' awareness of a variety of concerns to foster the development of holistic plan, which incorporates mental, physical, spiritual, financial, and intellectual wellness. The information provided during the In Our Own Defense podcast does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice and is not a substitute for mental health or medical health care from qualified professionals. Instead, all information, content, and materials available on this podcast are for general informational purposes. Well, good to see you again, Dr. Tarver, and welcome to another episode of the Our Own Defense Podcast. How are you today? I'm doing awesome, Sauce. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. And, you know, in this episode of In Our Own Defense Podcast, we have the luxury of featuring uh, life coach and author, uh, Mr. Terry Duran. Uh, he's an incredible leader uh, and an incredible relationship coach, and he, he tells these truths that people oftentimes may find challenging, but they're based in hard truth. Um, you know, just to kind of talk about this, to set the scene of what we're doing, oftentimes I feel that the progression of our culture uh, is oftentimes being undermined by internal sabotage, whether it's black on black crime or uh, speaking and claiming these horrendous, useless stereotypes that people have spoke on us, we kind of internalize them and, and claim them and try to use them as terms of endearment. Um, but, but one of the things that's, that's really heartbreaking to me is this relationship between um, African-Americans. It seems as if the, the women and men, the, um, that portion, it seems very vitriolic. And, and um, recently I read this study with this uh, study uh, at the National Institute of Health uh, you can go to our website to see it's called Marry Black Men's Opinions as to Why Black Women Are Disproportionately Single. And it's a qualitative study. In that study, uh, the study's purpose was to explore the reasons black women are disproportionately single according to the unique viewpoint of uh, married black men. The sample comprised uh, 52 married black men who resided in Northeast Georgia, mean age of 43. Uh, qualitative interviews were conducted in 2010 as part of a Pathways to Marriage study. The authors analyzed the data um, in a collaborative fashion and uh, utilized content analysis to explore the relationships in the data, which were derived from the qualitative interviews with the men. The findings on the reasons for the disproportionality of the singlehood among black women reflect that these four things, gender relations, marriage education and socialization, individual development, and a preference for gay lesbian relationships. Uh, recommendations for future, for future uh, research was uh, definitely discussed because it was such a fine um, uh, study. Um, recent estimates highlighted uh, that an important trend, black women are less likely to enter marriage or remarry than a black men, uh, black men or women from other racial uh, ethnic groups. Uh, the American Fact Finder in 2011 um, um, found that furthermore, seven out of 10 black women are unmarried and three out of uh, 10 never may never marry. Thus the disproportionate number of black women who are single has been well documented. 
the demographic pattern is not uh, is so noticeable that it has even received considerable attention from the popular media, CNN documentary, uh, documentary uh, titled Black in America, ABC News, Nightline, special title, Why Can't a Successful Black Woman Find a Man? So uh, I know that was a lot to kind of kick us off in the show, but but it was, <laughs> this is a great qualitative study that people can go and read. It's a great qualitative study that people can go and read and learn more about uh, what it is, what it is that we're seeing. So, um, why conversations feel like they are battle of the sexes? Um, what, what do you think? What, what's triggering this kind of mood, uh, Dr. Tyler? I mean, Dr. Tarver. The information that you just read in that study. Yeah. If <laughs> <So, laughs> you if you want to know what's triggering that. <laughs> You highlighted it because there is so much attention and press and, and and there is this constant barrage of information for black women that guess what all of you won't be able to get married guess what all of you won't be able to find relationships you can hear it in the news you can see it in that and, and, I, and I do think it's important and they highlighted it in that study that is a qualitative study those are always smaller studies and we have to be careful not to generalize those findings to larger populations and they did mention that but you can go to anybody's family reunion or barbecue and the questions to women are very different than the questions they are to men. Baby, why you ain't found no man yet? What's wrong with you? Is you a lesbian? So I, I think that part of it is that we're tired of hearing it. We're tired of having those conversations. We're tired of being the focus. It's a very different focus when you talk about black women in dating in my perception than it is when you talk about black men and dating. And one of the things that gets a woman riled up, and I'm so happy we have our guest on, Mr. Duran, to talk about this, is for black men to be talking about black women and their dating. <laughs> and so I know that he has gotten that feedback from women probably countless numbers of times, especially as a married man, speaking on why women are single. So we're gonna get into all of that. I'm very excited about this conversation. And we can have these conversations without it being hostile without it being angry, without us throwing slurs around and generalizations, but just really just play around with, hey, what are some of the problems that we have with dating? Uh, and that, that goes across women and men, and we'll be highlighting that today. And I think uh, I think you're right, and I, I, I too am excited to bring Mr. Duran on. You know, naturally we wanted to talk about these responses and how, why they're so vitriolic, but I think it's best to bring this uh, relationship coach in. Uh, Mr. Terry Duran, um, he's 41 years old, he's been married for 15 years, he's an author, influencer, a podcaster. Uh, he's a Southern University alum, so go SU, always but. <laughs> SU in the house, <laughs> so um, he's a graduate and he's a member of my beloved uh, Cap Alpha Psi uh, there at Southern Alpha Sigma uh, is where he pledged that. And so uh, today he's gonna he he gives dating advice and insight on quality man's uh, perspective, uh, a quality um, group of men's perspective, and focused on providing context and understanding on how men think. Uh, and operate and approach dating and teaching women how to eliminate or avoid thinking uh, behaviors that, that has been proven to create conflicts with quality men. Uh, he's authored two books. He authored the first one, we, you know, he made me feel like such a slacker. He authored his first book when we were in college, in undergrad. <laughs> so, uh, Game Recognized Game, it's a novel, beautiful novel, uh, well-written. I purchased, I think, couple of the books uh, uh no i purchased one and then one time i bought one at homecoming after uh 
probably having too much uh, cap of juice. <laughs> and, then, so, and then he has this new book out on Amazon. It's not complicated. How real men feel about sex, love, and relationship. Oftentimes, people find men as being closed off uh, and not willing to share these truths. And women are always asking, what are you thinking? What are you, what's on your mind? What's going on? And Mr. Duran tells that. So Dr. Tarver, I ask you to help me welcome Mr. Terry Duran. Thank you, sir. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Uh, How are you today? You. I appreciate the love. I appreciate the, the grand entrance. Um, and I appreciate y'all reaching out to, to bring me on the show. Okay, Dill, thank you. Um, uh, in, in our own defense podcast today, we're discussing barriers to healthy uh, dating relationship. I've noticed that your approach and your style seems to be different from what I would uh, sometimes describe as a Steve Harvey approach. Uh, it, it seems to be focused on being an honest broker, an accountability partner, and assisting with strategic and focused dating. How would you describe your style or your approach to being a relationship coach? Um, you, I did, I did take a, a completely different approach than the mainstream, uh, mainstream approaches that I saw with people like Derek Jackson, Tony Gaskin, Steve Harvey's, etc. Um, these are people that are really popular in media in general, but are extremely popular in social media uh, in particular. <clears throat> the reason that I um, took a different approach is I didn't really see a lot of results. I personally don't see much benefit to women talking about the men that they don't want to be with. And a lot of those other guys, they target the past trauma women have experienced, their past dating failures with undesirable F-boys, bums, deadbeats, etc. And so from a logical standpoint, that makes no sense to focus your time and energy speaking about them when the men that women really want to be with, those are the ones they're having the problems with. And so my logic was if I can provide women with the authentic uh, perspective on how quality men think, feel, and operate, um, it would do a couple of things. <clears throat> my primary mission is to, to, to provide that voice for guys. Um, a lot of men can't articulate themselves the way that I do. Um, you know, my line name is communicator. I'm, I, I speak better than the average guy, especially when I'm talking about subject matter that I'm passionate about or really interested in. And I can't think of nothing I'm more passionate about than romantic uh, endeavors. Uh, so <clears throat> it's, 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 uh, it's really interesting to talk about and it's really beneficial for the people that actually listen. Secondly, I wanted to, I wanted to um, correct a lot of the misinformation that's out there and the, the myths and the assumptions that a lot of women use to formulate their dating strategies. Um, it's a brutally honest, you know, a tough love type of approach that uh, comes with a lot of feedback, a lot of negativity. Um, it's hard to tell whether that's just because it's on social media or because of the subject matter, but those two together uh, make for very hostile conversations for a lot of people. Um, but it, it allows me to reach people all around the world. It allows me to spark conversations, spark thought, and trigger that perspective for some people that, that listen to my content where they get that aha moment, where they, they view dating from a different perspective, or they look at it from a perspective that they've never experienced personally. Um, so... <clears throat> I'm doing my best to, to spread the word and try to, to bridge the gap between men and women and hopefully bring down some of those numbers you referenced earlier. Good deal. 
Well, I am ready. I have got my Vaseline. I can take my earrings off at any time. So we can go ahead and get into this fight that we're about to have. Absolutely joking. But I, but I do know that these conversations are tough for a lot of reasons that you just mentioned. Um, we bring our past experiences into any, any new experience. And a lot of times our strategies, as you said, are based on old things we tried. But I want to put the question out um, because a lot of women would argue this point and possibly men may feel different about it that the dating experiences and expectations are different based on gender. So guidelines for men and guidelines for women are different. So let's have a conversation about that. I don't, well, tell me what these guidelines are. I often hear uh, on my page, women will often say things like, women are forced to do this and women are forced to, and it's like, who's forcing? Last time I checked, women get to choose who they give their time, attention, and sex to. They get to choose which men they entertain. So what are these guidelines? I think um, there, there are questions that come up when a woman's habitually single. When you when you see an attractive woman that is good on paper, good job, cute, drive a Benz, got a house, et cetera. Why wouldn't you question why none of the men that she's been involved with choose to, to stay around? Why, why wouldn't you ha raise a question like, why is everybody a short-term scenario? Um, and like you said, the, the the questions that come with women about kids, about marriage, et cetera. Um, and, it, and it's something that they have little, very little control over. Um, well, I say look, that's not a very little direct control over because a woman can definitely increase her chances of getting wiped up um, if she operates in a way that minimizes and decreases the conflict. Like, like my strategy is like super, super simple. Let's just eliminate the stuff we know create problems. And if you do that in any scenario, you're gonna have a less problematic scenario, um, which translates to being more enjoyable and more likely to last. So that's the approach that I take because from a male perspective, that's how you get to be a hope. That's how you get to be a thought. You maintain healthy relationships with all the women you're having sex with and you keep it that way. You know what I mean? You perfect meeting new women, getting them on board, getting them to trust you and like you to that point. And so it's kind of ironic, all the things you learn from being a former hoe and, and you know, have, having a promiscuous past. Um, before that before you go down the whole scroll, <laughs> <laughs> let's get back on the, um, so here's, here's some examples of differences. You just mentioned, for example, why wouldn't I ask a woman why she is single? That question in itself, women would argue is biased because there is an assumption that is underlying that that there's something has to be wrong with you for you to be single so men will approach a woman with all right let me see what's wrong with you is what some people might say whereas when women approach men they're not necessarily that same double standard like you may not necessarily hear a woman ask you why are you still single there is just in i think a um and much like Attorney Winters pointed out earlier in these articles, right, we expect that something's gonna be off with some of y'all. It's kind of the message that women are getting. So now I'm getting screwed that's, that's So that's accurate. Um, I mean, from, a, from the male perspective, it, it's, it's very rare to, to meet and date a woman that has a minimal amount of unnecessary trauma. So men expect a certain level of chaos and drama, largely in part because women are a lot more emotional than us. Um, and 
the, the, the natural process of resolving conflict or getting through arguments often is very difficult from a male perspective because of what they encounter on a regular basis. The deflection, the lack of accountability, the, but what about this? Like I experience this kind of in my comments all the time. It's almost impossible to have a discussion about something a woman does that creates a problem in a relationship without women try, doing everything in their power to, to reverse the conversation about what the men they don't want to be with do. You know what I mean? It's not, they don't talk about the quality men. They, they just want to focus on the bums, the deadbeats, and the dudes nobody wants. So, so it's like, from, from, from a guy perspective, it's like, well, y'all naming stuff that we don't do. We don't do none of this passive aggressive stuff. The quality men y'all want to be with don't operate in these ways. So why are we talking about the men that do? You know what I mean? Like, so it's, it's, that's the experience and the expectation I think most men have when they approach any woman, because they've seen it with their moms, their sisters, their cousins, their neighbors. And it's like that emotional decision-making, that hopeless romantic ideology is, is problematic and you, you can observe it throughout life. You know, if you just take a step back and, and pay attention. Um, Attorney Winters gave me permission to just uh, bombard you with questions, so I'm going to take my, my privilege. <laughs> um, because sure. I say again, that is a that is a difference um, in perception. Because I would argue, and of course, I'm a mental health provider, so I see the people that are good quality folks that still have a lot of challenges. That there are very good men who have a lot of hard times communicating themselves. I see a lot of great men who want to avoid conflict to the point that they don't address anything in their relationships, they'll check out. Um, and I say a lot of good quality men who um, have assumptions about women that they're gonna be difficult or emotionally expressive. And so I, I think that sometimes we end up saying to women like, hey, you all are educated and qualified and you still have these challenges. But me, women would argue that you're educated men, you have all of these great characteristics and you can still have those challenges too. So why are those looked at? as different? Why is the conversation approaching dating different for that educated, qualified man versus that educated, qualified? Well, I think the biggest difference is, is the dude is forced to adjust. The dude that has the problems that prevents him from having success with women is either going to adjust or just be at home playing Xbox with Mary Palmer. Like, so, so men are, don't have the option of having a, I'm not going to change type of attitude like a lot of women do. And men are not struggling the way that women do. Even the men that may have issues, they may not even be really desirable. They're able to get consistent time, attention, and sex. And so from a male perspective, marriage, kids, and all that other stuff is optional. So if men are meeting their threshold or their goals consistently, they don't have much incentive to change. And so that's another reason I don't see the point in preaching to the F boys and preaching to the guys that women don't want. They not listening anyway. They like we good. We we already winning. Like the, the biggest struggle we have is only sleeping with one woman. You know what I mean? Like trying to dwindle down to one woman. So to me, everything that we see, that ain't struggling from a male perspective. You know what I mean? Like they might not be husband material, but they able to consistently meet their relationship goals and they dating needs. So they're not about to change how they think and operate. And I think the women that that approach the conversation with the well men struggle too well men need to do it too like yeah you're right you, you could you, you can name a whole bunch of stuff that men that are not nearly as successful as men like me need to do why they don't do it i don't know 
Why they operate like that? I can't explain it. I don't even see why women would care. You know what I mean? Like, learn to identify them and avoid them. You know what I'm saying? Learn about how to focus on the men that you do want and how to appeal to him, how to make yourself more desirable to him. That's what we do. I'm not focusing on how to make myself appealing to some fat, ugly chick. I don't care what her, her, what her perspective is. I'm focused on the cute, attractive women I like. I'm going like, so that type of approach simplifies things and makes it, just makes it make sense from a logical perspective to me. Um, and I think the women that, that get out of this, I need to get all the other guys to admit that they're wrong and admit that they, they need to improve. That's never gonna happen. You know what I mean? Like, so I don't spend my time and energy focusing on that because I just think it's a, it's, it's a waste of time and it, it, it doesn't yield results. Um, if, if a woman can learn to not get herself cut off or to not mess up the dating situation she has with that quality husband material dude, she got a much better chance of being, getting, ended up married, you know, having, reaching her relationship goals than the women that don't. Because the things that, that men experience that cause them to fall out of love, end up cheating, et cetera, it's usually the same. Like if you talk to a group of group of guys, their experiences ain't that different. You know what I mean? Like, and and that's kind of the the ironic part of dating several women or being promiscuous is you start to, to see so many patterns. You're like, oh, they all just slightly a little bit different. It's the same problems, the same issues, the same communication and stuff, um, but just to different degrees on different stuff. So women are not as different as they seem to to think that they are, and that's why men as a collective have almost the same dating experience. So I guess that then begs the question. So again, there's that difference. So because you have more options, you would say, like we have this proof, because if we listen to the research that Attorney Winters just said, women don't have that. Oh, it's already, yes. It's already. Yeah, our, our pool is smaller. And then, as you just said, now we're the ones that have to make sure we don't mess up. In, in the relationship that we don't, don't do men. Like I, well, I said men naturally have to do that. If, if a man is operating in a way that makes him less desirable to the women he likes, he's going to adjust. He's going to get tired of seeing his homies get chose. He's going to get tired of missing out or shooting a shot and missing. He's going to make some adjustments. Some the men that don't are the 40-year-old virgins or the dudes that, that don't get looked at. Like, and nobody's checking for them. And obviously they're not, they don't have the self-awareness to, to make the adjustments on their own. So those men are going to struggle too, um, or they're going to settle for somebody that they probably don't want to be with. But that's, that's a personal choice. You know, the, the men that want to have success and want to be desired by the attractive women willingly make adjustments, willingly take criticism and, make improvements on the the experiences that the women dating them have. All right, attorney winners, I've, I've, I've run that one out. So I'll, <laughs> I'll let you ask one. <laughs> oh, hey, listen, I'm over here trying to see if I can get some popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy this, this dialogue, because look, this is a, this is a, a, an opportunity for us to have these truths indifference of opinion, but in a way, in a form that we can speak it uh, and be respectful of each other. Uh, and, you know, to address 
one of the statements you said, I have been known to uh, date beautiful, uh, fuller, thicker uh, women uh, in my back in my day. And so uh, I have appreciated their, their candor. So I don't want anybody listening to think that we're saying that, that, that fat women are ugly or thicker women are ugly. That's no, no. not, that's not <laughs> even what Mr. Duran is saying. And I want to clarify that, but because I know uh, there's some absolutely flawlessly gorgeous women that I went to school with that may have been on the plus side and uh, and I had the, the privilege of maybe just having dinner or a glass of wine with them so but but what you you spoke on on this uh, Mr. Run about how you see women um, having you know the lack of adjustment so if we, if we just relate this to basketball in the first half of half of you lost in the first half you have to adjust and that, that, that basketball segue allows me to think about how uh, NBA star uh, Stephen Jackson recently recounted that he left his former fiance, Imani Showalter, at the altar after she refused to sign the antinuptial legal term. It's antinuptial, but prenuptial agreement, anti means free. Um, days ago, um, um, on, on your platform, one of your listeners and followers ask your opinion on a similar situation and, I, and i'll read it uh, uh verbatim so i won't uh confuse what they said uh, that one of your um your your followers uh provided to you i am engaged to be married in a couple of months and i'm having a major issue with my fiance when i originally discussed marriage with her i made it crystal clear that i wanted to have a prenuptial agreement to protect my wealth well, now that the wedding is coming up, she has changed her mind about the prenup. What do you think about the situation? So when you were asked this, what, what was your, what is kind of your your thoughts on that? And then I want to pose that question over to Dr. Tarver, if you don't mind. Um, to me, that that's a, a, a really deceptive situation. Um, and I can't think, I couldn't think of any logical reason for a woman to just instantly just change her mind about signing a prenup when you verbally agree to do it. Um, and when when the wedding is approaching, the deposits paid for, plans are made, et cetera. So you're, you're almost kind of pot committed uh, from a financial standpoint. To me, that that's, that's that reeks of manipulation. Um, now we've we've all heard stories of gold diggers hit getting secure in the bag and marrying the dude with no prenup and they get married six months later i mean a divorce etc so this this looks like a situation where a person with wealth would, would be foolish to to go through with um especially without a logical explanation because from my understanding women get to sit with their with their attorney and come up with the the agreement terms conditions whatever what they what they feel is reasonable and fair both people are represented. Both people get to participate in creating an agreement. And so to verbally do all that and say you're going to sign it and then not sign it at the end, sounds like a Stephen Jackson situation. Definitely. Dr. Tarver, what, what do you think are, are catalysts for someone maybe having this, okay, I'm, I'm willing to do this. I love you. And I understand your desire to protect your uh, wealth. Uh, and I understand how it costs you nothing to get married, you know, $300, $400 or whatever to go and uh, get a license to get married. But as you exit out of there, it's uh, it's a bit more uh, precarious. So what are your thoughts on why, what would lead someone to uh, change their mind on, on something like that? And, you know, of course, we don't know what happened in these people's relationships prior to that. We just see these news stories. 
I will say oftentimes when I see people change their minds, uh, they may not feel like they had good representation. They might have felt bullied into taking that offer. They might have felt that they were uh, in a situation in which they didn't have other options. Um, I think uh, sometimes things are sprung on people and it's not that they really talked about this before. It was an ultimatum kind of situation. Uh, whenever you have more power in a relationship, that always changes the dynamics. And so if I'm coming from a place where I have less power, then I feel that I am, am compelled to have to do what you asked me to do, um, which is why we have these dynamics and abusive relationships. Um, to Mr. Duran's point, I think manipulation can go both ways. I think that sometimes people can be manipulated into signing things um, and not be fully aware. I think there's sometimes people give trust to a partner that I trust that you will honor me and respect me and this information that you presented is accurate. And then I get it looked at by someone else and they tell me that that wasn't actually oh. accurate. Um, okay, yeah, I ain't thought of, well, okay, if there's some misrepresentation, then then that's that's completely different. Um, but I, I, can, I can definitely see that, um, you know, coercing somebody into signing, but I, I, I was operating under the assumption that that's not the case. Uh, I, I, he said that they agreed to do it, you know what I mean? Like, so to me, that, that indicates that there was some agreement and, and it was a mutual decision. Um, if somebody's being coerced or being deceived into signing a prenup, like you hiding wealth or you misrepresenting something to that effect, then that's something that's completely different. Um, but but just from a, a basic standpoint, like a, a woman that's marrying an athlete or some type of millionaire, uh, I can't think of no real no real reason where everything is on the up and up, where you you're gonna come away with six to seven figures at the minimum. You're going to get to live a millionaire wife experience for however long the marriage does last. You get to move in the mansion. You get to cop you a Bentley. You get to like, what are you missing out on? Like the, the, the leverage or the decision making to, to me. So you love them, you having kids with them, everything is all good, but I refuse to sign this paperwork that says I, I walk away with this with X amount of dollars. To me, that's horrible decision making. Um, and the way that the Steven Jackson situation played out where his baby mama just kept trying to hit him for more child support and all this type of stuff, this is, that's the kind of, typical situation that men look at when it comes to prenuptial agreements and women that finesse their way into engagement and then try to change their mind at the end. Yeah, I, you know, from a legal standpoint, the, the, these things present challenges. So what Dr. Tarver spoke about, naturally, if if um, if there's been some sort of fraud, duress, uh, there are certain things that would, would prohibit the contract. Because an agreement, this is a contract that they that they have. You have to have an offer, which is a manifestation of will and sentence from an agreement. So many is just find another person sent is invited and would conclude it. And then you have to have an acceptance, which is the I accept, the assent. And so when you have those two things, considering that there are no vices that have uh, harmed the, the, the making of that contract, then the contract's going to be valid. Uh, oftentimes, in any agreement, in, in the practice of law, you, you see people saying, hey, um, here's the agreement, go ahead and sign. Here's the lease, sign this lease. And then something like COVID-19 happens, and then you're like, wait, I can't pay my now and that's unreasonable for me to have to pay rent when I don't have a job the world has ended essentially and and we're stuck in the house I don't where am I going to get that kind of money to pay that rent 
And so people are like, well, uh, the Supreme Court says your signature is not a mere ornament. It's not a mere ornament. Once you sign that, that means that you are compelled to be part of that. And that's why we, we make signing so important. You know, uh, historically, ages ago, they used to exchange left shoes and marriages you uh part of the you know what we've gotten away from is part of this old school marriage stuff was the father paid for the wedding the father of the bride paid for the wedding because she they the father also was getting he the, the male the groom asked for that father's hand in marriage because the father typically was going to give the groom something for taking up his daughter and taking care of his daughter for the rest of his life now Granted, we don't live in that space and time, and we're not antiquated. We don't have milk and maids and all this foolishness. But there was there are certain expectations that we've carried over, and then we don't carry other expectations over, right? She's yeah. not the wife is not chattel. She's not your possession anymore. She is your partner, right? You guys are merging a business. This is a merger, not even an acquisition. This is a merger that two individual companies, as it were, are bringing their stuff to bear to try to merge. And then the people have to decide what is exactly coming in this company and what is exactly not coming in this company. Are you bringing, you have 15 college degrees, are you bringing all of that college debt, sir? Are you bringing all of that to bear and I'm not gonna be responsible for taking care of that? Are you bringing all them kids and I'm gonna have to pay that child support? Are you bringing all, like these, that's a real legitimate discussion that people need to have with, Counsel. Now, I'm not plugging lawyers, but sometimes these emotional decisions are, are because we, we can't have them. We already laid the foundation saying men are not as emotional or not willing to share their emotions because men are emotional, uh, but they're not willing to share these things. Sometimes having a referee or, or, or detached and neutral person to be able to have guide through that, have your own lawyer for a contract. Let her have her own lawyer for a contract. And then Go through premarital counseling, so, so because that what may reveal itself is, hey, this merger don't need to happen. Might not be. Compatible. That's okay too. That's okay too. So that that that's my kind of take on it. And I'm sorry, Doctor Tarver, and refight. Let's go. Get, get back to fight. Let me take these. Mister Duran already on my hit list because he's he's talk about the the plus side sister. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, but that, that leads itself into this conversation about communication. And I think that we as um, men and women, we struggle to be able to effectively communicate with each other. We all have different perspectives even on this, on this Zoom call. Um, and at some point, we have to stop a conversation, whether we agree or disagree about the final outcome of it. What, what would you say, Mr. Duran, are some of the things that interfere with us being effectively able to communicate with each other? <clears throat> um, the desire to be right is, is a very big component of it. Um, that reacting to how something made you feel uh, uh, opposed to the motivation or the intent behind the message seems to be, because um, I, I, I get this almost every day. I get it. I hate women. I, I bash women. And it's like, hold on. How, how's me telling you how you hurt your relationship bashing? You know what I mean? Like, if a comedian made a skit showing that you, women are doing something irrational to have to hurt in a relationship, y'all love it. Y'all like it. Y'all, it's all good. But if I just put it in a post that's bashing women all of a sudden, so 
it's inconsistencies like that that make it hard to, to express the male perspective. Um, and when, when majority of the time, the most important issues are happening in an argument or at the time of conflict, um, it's even harder for a man to get his point across. Um, because as soon as you say, say, oh, you're making an excuse. Oh, you're just a liar. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, now, instead of finishing your thought, you have to correct the accusation that was thrown at you or the, the assumption that was thrown at you or the, the the misrepresentation of what you said. You know, like, so it's like, most guys can't do that in real time. You know, when they mad and you saying stuff to intentionally piss them off and doing all these type of things, majority of the time he's either gonna meet you at that level or check out and that's that's the kind of the barrier that men experience um and like uh anthony was saying a lot of guys struggle to express themselves that's that's kind of where i come in i get so many guys it's like man i screenshot your caption and i sent it to my wife because they can't put a long string of thoughts and explain the process and the rationale behind it and the way that i can um so that's that's what men often experience um the 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 assumptions that that women make about men what we think and feel um are so, usually so far fetched from what we actually think and feel um that just trying to communicate gets frustrating to a point where some guys just stop trying because I, I remember i stopped trying to communicate with my wife early on in my marriage so that's that's the male perspective on it um, for the men that are effective communicators, that don't have communication issues with their colleagues, with their friends, with nobody else, but they'll have communication issues with the woman they're romantically involved with because of some of those issues. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that um, the communication challenge when we have them with partners is because we love these people. This is a different type of relationship. So I don't have the same type of relationship with my coworkers. I don't have the same type of relationship with my friends. We don't have children together. We don't have bills together. We don't have to manage um, household chores together. We don't have, right? So it's a different level of relationship. And I think what, what the challenge is for both men and women in those situations is how do I separate out all those other things from us trying to have this conversation in this moment? because the unfair fighting comes in where now I brought up stuff that's unrelated to what we're talking about, or I've shut down because I make an assumption that you're gonna be emotional or you're gonna make a fight out of this or it's not gonna go anywhere. And so I don't even give you an opportunity for us to have a conversation. So I think those are communication problems even outside of it just being man versus woman. I think that is how do you communicate with somebody that you have multiple levels of type of relationship with that ends up being a challenge in those Yeah, because I, I can see that because you're mad about something. He, he didn't fix your tire, but now when he's talking to you about something you did, you take it out. Like, yeah, that, that manifests itself all the time where a man will be talking about problem A and she brings up Q, R, and S. And it's like, that don't got nothing to do with what we was talking about. Um, men typically don't have that problem when we engage in other men. Um, so that's why I, I said that's something that I can't, I can't even think of no situation where I've had uh, situations like that with, with and, and not no guys that I'm cool with or I interact with on a regular basis. Um, like we don't, they, they don't assume the negative in it and everything that I say, they don't assume malicious intent behind something. A lot of uh, way th that a lot of women do when it comes to men. Um, and and I, from, my, from my, on my page, I often post about like, 
how can you view everything from a negative perspective and expect to have a healthy relationship? You know what I mean? Like if, if you can't trust him to go nowhere without trying to have sex with somebody, why is he your man? Why is this the dude you're trying to get to put a ring on it? You know what I mean? Like, so I try to take the step back and ask those kind of questions, um, but they very rarely get a direct response. <laughs> you know, part of it, I think, is how we're socialized. Um, we're socialized different as men and women. And you know, going back to this point that the guidelines are different for us in dating. The perceptions are different for us in dating because we're socialized in very different ways. Women, the way that we're socialized is that we talk about things. We talk through it. We'll talk through it in multiple ways and multiple different times. And we'll come back later and we'll talk about it until we feel like we've addressed it. That's the way we problem solve. We actually think out loud as we problem solve as opposed to men being um, socialized in different ways. Because you all are, we're, we're, if you think about even how kids play, um, girls are, we do fantasy play, we're princesses and dolls and we're making our little toys talk to each other and they're in relationships and, and we're playing in kitchens and we're doing all of this stuff. Boys are socialized in very different ways because you're not oftentimes even allowed to do that. Like a lot of men's fathers would be like, I wish you would do some fantasy play. I wish you would be over here in this kitchen. Like you're gonna play with these Legos, you're gonna play with these trucks, you're gonna play these sports. And all of those are very different interactions because they require, here's here's the job and I need to get the job done. Here are the steps to get the job done. And so you're even thought to think about things in very different ways. So when you talk to us, you look at us like, why are you bringing all that extra stuff into the conversation that's not relevant? But for us, it is relevant because it's about this relationship. And so oftentimes we're just on two different pages <laughs> yeah, about that's, what's that's important and what's not important. Yeah. yeah. Women, women are from Venus and men are from Mars. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, you, you, you think that um, um, those things do naturally, like Dr. Tara said, they do uh, become impediments to to the health of not not that people don't have a healthy relationship but these things become impediments to the health of and i think what we're uh pushing you uh, uh mr duran uh, for is we want to know you know what is a what is a clear example of a of a communication what's a positive communication pattern that you would suggest to to your listeners what is a positive communication pattern one example uh, not the ones that don't work, but what is a positive one example of one that does work? Well, the most basic form of, of effective communication is a, is a is any communication where the intended message is received by the receiver, and you have the opportunity to get feed, feedback, whether it's positive or negative, from that person. Um, and so, what what often happens though is the the communication person expresses what they think or feel i'm mad about this i feel this way i want this like people are great at expressing their perspective it's the it's it's making getting the feedback and not just responding to the feedback the first thing you got to do is make sure your intent your initial message was accurate you know what i mean and, and so from a god perspective you see that off the, all the time so basically you're telling me you already know that that's she didn't hear nothing. You know what I'm saying? You already know she totally missed it when she hits you with them though that cliche. You, you know what I mean? Like so, a lot a lot of times you're you spend your time trying to make sure you don't miss it or misinterpret what I said and don't add no assumptions on top of it. You know what I mean? Like so, having a conversation where every time you get to speak, you have to do that. 
it it discourages you from trying to speak. So it that that missing part of the process is is kind of where things go awry because the conversation almost never goes back to the point where it it went off the tracks. And so it's that 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 initial feedback is usually either absent or it's not used accurately to make sure your intended message was accurately received and then get their response to the, your accurate message. That's that's kind of where I see the, the fatal flaw in communication take place. I think that's a great pattern. Dr. Tarver, do you, would you agree that if you set those, we talked about some of the impediments, we talked about this is a clear path, positive path to communicating well uh, with, with Mr. Run. What, what about, um, kind of scene setting and setting the, the stage of in our house, in our relationship, we're going to go about it this way, or we'll, we're willing to go out. Uh, would you both agree that it's best to set the stage and say, we're willing to go out and get some outside professional help or get a relationship guru or coach to kind of help us set these, the boundaries, uh, because establishing those of this is how we conduct these kind of communications. Naturally, we, like, I know plenty of men um, uh, it's been my experience that these men will have uh, uh, emotional uh, conversations inside of the conversations that we're not talking about the primary issue because they've had other things that they wanted to discuss and they bring them in relationship, you know, communication between men and men and they bring them in relationship uh, communication between men and women. And so I've seen it on both sides, but I wonder to you, Dr. Tarver, is there a can you build referism? Can you build a box to say, in, in this space we do this? Or can, are there some words you can use? Hey, look, pineapples, and let's let's get out of this space. Well, what are your thoughts on that as part of this follow-up communication conversation? Um, so you you posed a couple of different questions. I'm going to try to answer them uh, in, the, in the way that you posed them. The first piece about getting therapy or having a life coach, um, and, and this is another um, gender difference men are less likely to come to therapy than women are. And okay. so oftentimes I will hear women say that they want their partner to come and do couples therapy, or they want their partner to see a life coach with them. And their partners don't want to because they don't want to bring someone else into the relationship. And so and this goes back to that perspective of, he can be a good dude, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's open to receiving feedback. And so a lot of times there is, there is a lot of fear and concern um, from some men about coming in to any kind of therapeutic relationship. And, and part of that is, is out of fear they're going to get attacked. Um, and so I, I recognize that that is a very valid experience for anyone coming to therapy. It can be a very scary experience. Like what's gonna happen in this room? Am I gonna be judged? Um, are you gonna say I'm doing these things awful? Are you gonna take her side? Uh, a lot of people feel like that's what happens in therapy. It doesn't, but if we don't know that, because we don't know of people that have been and we don't know any therapists, then we're gonna have that misperception. So I will say, yes, people need to come to therapy. Yes, people need to do premarital counseling. Yes, people need to do relationship counseling to make sure they learn healthy strategies. What are those healthy strategies? Mr. Duran just alluded to it. We call it empathic listening. I didn't hear what you said because I'm too busy preparing my rebuttal. So I'm gonna tell you how you were wrong and all the different ways that you were wrong. So I miss all the information that you communicated to me. And so if I don't learn how to listen, I'm never gonna be a good communicator. That's one important step in healthy communication. Two, what you were alluding to attorney winners is once we escalate, there is no point to having a conversation. If we're both that angry, that mad, we need to walk away. 
sometimes it's hard, as Mr. Duran said, people want to be right. I want to have the last word. And so, no, you're going to hear what I got to say. <laughs> but one or both of us need to be able to say, time out. And I do encourage people to have a safe word. You mentioned pineapple, something that's so weird and odd that we wouldn't necessarily fit it in a conversation for us to be clued in. Oh, okay, we don't went too far. Before we start name calling, before somebody says something they want to take back later, before somebody tell you this is why I want to fool with you and why we need a divorce or want to be together, um, <laughs> let's stop it with that safe word. And so that's oftentimes how people are able to just de-escalate. Let me go take a break. And when I'm more able to have that rational conversation with you, we can come back and do that later. I'm also a big proponent of writing things down. Sometimes, no, we can't communicate verbally. And yes, emotions can cloud what I'm trying to say because my message may be mixed, missed by the way I'm delivering my message. But if I write things down and get those bulleted points, here's what I need to communicate to you. Your communication often does end up. That's, yeah, I, I've, uh, that writing something down, I, I've, that's one of my go-to moves uh, dealing with uh, with women. Because a lot of times it's hard, you know, I, like even with my wife, I'll, I'll say, well, if she says something that don't make sense, I'll be like, well, write it down. Because I know it's hard, it's hard to write a pay, uh, essay on something that don't make no sense. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you start, you get to sentence number three, and it's hard to connect another sentence because like, and and I never have that problem. You know what I mean? Like, so if I got a problem with you, I can A, B, C, D, this is what I did to fix it. This is how you, you know what I'm saying? Like I can document cause I, I'm not a problem creator. You know what I mean? Like nobody don't have no issues with me, my, nobody at work. So, and, and, and so like with my experience, like it, it used to be so frustrating, like just from, from my early on in my marriage, because anytime we would have, I'll have a disagree with my wife, she would be telling me how how bad my communication is. And I'm like, so my line name's communicator. I got a degree in communication. Everybody, my communication with everybody else is great. But according to you, I'm, I'm a horrible communicator. And it took her several years to, to, to own up to the problems that she was creating with the communication. And so it, it, it just, that, that write it down, put it in writing. You know what I'm saying? Like whenever I do that, she would get frustrated because she kind of knew, damn, he got me again. I ain't gonna be able to, to hit him with it. So that's that's a good one. Um, I, I I would I would send an email in the like late at night to where they can wake up to your message. Like that's that's another trick that that uh, I think works well. Um, because phone call, a text message, those those. Those ain't really the most effective methods to resolve or, or, or uh, get through a conflict. Definitely not text message. <laughs> <laughs> so I would, uh, I guess that, you know, kind of piggybacking off of that, you you put out and um, you put out a lot of good uh, kind of content. And Dr. Tarver and I, we we discussed this, some of these things. Uh, to ad nauseum at times and at times it feels like it is a lost cause like why why are we so uh committed to this internal dating within african-american culture is it better that people focus on love without these restrictions or these checklists and all of this that we find ourselves uh being beholden to because we we set up these and, and correct me if i'm wrong but my my supposition is that we set up these rules that we hold over our head and then we start 
trying to go out and find a partner to fit that rule. So we live in that space. And then, so maybe similar to like marrying at first sight or, you know, opening the dating pool to saying, I can maybe find my partner or somebody who I'm more compatible with outside of my race. Do you believe that, that it is a lost cause, number one? And two, do you think they should open up the dating pool outside of their race? Man, this, this is a tough, I, I usually don't discuss uh, race and dating. Dating is Let me get my earrings ready. <laughs> Uh, but I, I don't discuss it because I, I I know black women would feel attacked and, and et cetera, you know, feel like I'm coming for black women or whatnot, but I'm married to a black woman. Like I only date black women, you know what I mean? Like, so I don't, that's definitely not the case. I don't think it's a lost cause. It's definitely possible for, for um, I don't believe everybody operates in a way that is conducive to a healthy relationship. Um, so, that being said, choose think, those words carefully. Choose them carefully. <laughs> I think a large percentage of people are capable if they make some adjustments or to either how they think, operate, or view the opposite sex. Um, if if they can come, if the, if we can make sure that their expectations of how a healthy relationship functions, is formed, etc., is realistic and practical, that checkbox. Um, make sure that they have methods to determine whether they're actually compatible with somebody or not. Get that checkbox, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you can get, like, I created a dating and compatibility guide that kind of, hey, let's dummy proof the process, you know what I'm saying? Like, check for this, check for communication, reliability, you know what I'm saying? Responsibility, ambition, like, it's telling you just kind of what to, to look for because these are the things that make it possible for you to, to, to last with somebody for a long period of time. Um, but yeah, it's it's possible, you know what I mean? Like we have, as African-Americans, we have a particular set of issues that is a direct reflection from slavery and white supremacy. Um, and and if, you, if you're not aware of that and how that impacts black men and women in, in relations, then that that's part of the problem, but you don't always wanna just bring up the race card every time we talking about dating. Um, but the way that a lot of black women view black men is a direct result of slavery and the financial position that black men was put into compared to white men. White man represents wealth, stability, the American dream, et cetera. And the black man represents single motherhood for the most part from, from, for the way that a lot of women perceive black men. All my pain came from you, all my past trauma. Y'all let me down, my dad let me down. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, we got a whole bunch of negativity to overcome to reach that healthy space. So it's possible we just got more, you know, healing or repairing to do for our community to, in order to, 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 to make those numbers flourish like they did back in the 50s and 60s. Well, I, you know, I, I see Dr. Tarver's not putting her Vaseline on her eyes yet for this fight. So <laughs> that, that, that truth that you just spoke seems to be working. So, Dr. Tarver, I, I would pose it to you. Uh, you know, I, I hear, um, I've heard it a ton, and I'm sure both of you all have heard it a ton. Black women are saying uh, consistently, I want to be with a brother. They want to keep our, um, our culture going, as it were, with two black parents um, and they they strive for that and that's why they work so extremely exhaustingly hard to have a relationship 
with an African-American male who has experienced this uh, American experiment uh, similar to them. And so do you think it's a lost cause of eternally dating, eh? And do you think that they should open the dating pool considering some of these things that we've posted today? Um, I, I will, uh, believe it or not, agree with Mr. Duran on the checklist part. <laughs> um, and because I do think, and we have had a lot of conversations about this, I, I talk to people about dating being like job searching. So why are you interviewing people that don't even meet your minimum qualifications, much less your preferred qualifications? I do think that that is a waste of people's time. Um, women tend to stay in relationships much longer, even when they're unhealthy. And so what we want to do is stack the deck. So let's get someone who actually does meet those needs that you have instead of you trying to, because we like to fix folks. We like a good project. Um, instead of me trying to fix someone who is one, not mine to fix, and two, that is not how I should be approaching a relationship. Let me actually meet with someone who we have more similar values because that is gonna help our communication. That is gonna have, where we come from is gonna be very similar in terms of child rearing, discipline, finances, um, how we communicate, how we view family, instead of me dealing with someone who, uh, as Mr. Duran says on some of his podcasts, can't even show up to pick you up on a date because they don't have transportation. So, and that's not, not a knock against someone, but if that's not what I'm looking for, then why am I, why am I bringing you in for an interview? Um, I only need to be bringing in those qualified candidates. The other part of that is, I will say that he's absolutely right. You both are right. Um, like black women, we love black men. Now, there is a strained relationship. You're absolutely right, Mr. Duran. Some of us have not had the greatest relationships with other men in our lives, whether that be fathers, grandfathers, uncles, brothers, whoever it may be, people that we've dated. And we bring wounds into our relationships. Men and women bring wounds into our relationships. And that is what guides us in the choices that we make. And if we don't heal from those wounds, we will continue to make those same mistakes over and over again. And so oftentimes we end up being in relationships with people that are going to hurt us because that's the wound that we have. So I'm going to go pick someone who was like my mother, who was abusive and critical, because that's what I'm used to. And I'm going to pick someone who isn't faithful to me because that's all I saw growing up. So if I don't fix that within me, there's nothing that any potential partner is going to be able to do to help me with that issue. But we do, we look at, some of us look at um, other, other ethnicities very skeptical, um, very skeptical because there are just like, there are stereotypes that were discussed today about black women. Other ethnicities have stereotypes about black women too. And so we get a lot of negative feedback, even from other ethnic groups about, oh, black women, we know y'all got a lot of attitudes, y'all difficult to deal with, difficult to work with, and nobody wanna fool with y'all. And so you, you don't even wanna go into that. And then some of us, the idea of a white man who we know raped some of our ancestors, like we just can't get to that level. Like I can't see past that hurt from the enslavement experience. And so I don't, I don't want to be in that relationship with you. And not that there's not good, healthy white people out there that aren't abusive and, and, and aren't trying to rape, pillage, and plunder. But to be able to separate oneself from that is, is difficult for a lot of black women. And so yes, interracial dating for us sometimes is not an option. That, that's fascinating. You know, Dr. Uh, Tarver, you know, I was reading some of uh, um, our guest's book, uh, Interior Run's book, it's not that complicated how real men feel about sex, love, and relationship. The book seems to be a blueprint of sorts on without placating to those desires of understanding or getting into the mind, the thoughts, and intentions of real men, as we, we say. And, and only distinguishment of, of real men is, is uh, 
really about a play of men who are going to be earnest and honest and uh, fair dealing, plain dealing with their partner. Hook. This is why I am. And this is what I'm not. I, this, this is all I got. You know, this is, look, look, I ain't no tricks. <laughs> I ain't got no sleeves. This is who I am and not these F boys that he refers to. And you can learn more about that on his podcast. Uh, uh, but, you know, a critic described the book as a clear, concise breakdown on how quality men view sex, love relationships, and all topics related to dating. The book helps clear up a lot of myths and misinformation that is fed uh, to women about how men think and how men operate versus getting it from men about how men think and how men operate. What has been, you know, the reception of your followers or engagers? Um, are they utilizing some of these these blueprints that you've laid out or are you finding argumentative or fine? Uh, a small percentage, man. Uh, my primary platform is social media. Um, and so a lot of women are just kind of addicted to the drama in the comments. Um, so they come to my page just to be a troll or just to argue and just to be in the, men do this, you know, so like, it's, it's kind of like a, in the comment section, it's a battle of the sexes for lack of a better term. Um, but the women that actually read the book or, you know, or, or download the dating guides, that actually come to my page to learn, they have drastic results, you know, because a lot of their problem is their, their, the, the information that they use to formulate their strategies is either useless information that was passed down to them from their aunts or somebody else, or it's assumptions about men that either, that they made up themselves, you know what I mean? Like, and so when, when you correct some of those things and learn how, to, to stop making so many assumptions, to consider that there are other possibilities, that a, a lot of times the things women assume men are thinking are the furthest things from, from our mind because our experience is a lot of times women are judging us based off of a female value system. And so if you don't handle a situation, how she would have handled it, or you don't say what she would have said in her brain, you wrong and she's she's got an issue with it. You know, and, and it's like, hold on. I don't tell you how to be a woman. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not telling you that you're wrong for not caring about the NFL playoffs like I do. You know what I mean? Like, so it's it's a really unfair scenario that men find themselves in when you're being criticized for thinking like a man when that's what you're asked to do. You know what I mean? Like, so as far as the book goes, the, for the women that actually listen and get that real perspective on, on learning what a quality man is and isn't, um, how we really operate in dispelling some of those myths. They come, it's almost impossible to not have a better dating experience when you get clarity on a lot of those things. Dr. Tarver. <laughs> I have not read your book. So I cannot comment on your book. Um, I will say to you that there are a lot of your strategies that I do like. Um, just going on your uh, social media posts and checking that out, there are some things that I very much agree with. There are some points that I think are very valid. I, I just look at it from the perspective of they're valid for both men and for women. And I think oftentimes what women get frustrated about is that they feel like the stereotypes of women that we're combative, argumentative, make assumptions, are difficult to communicate with, try to get you to think the same way that we think, 
are can be very much assumptions. They're not always true. And I can very much argue that for some men, it is very difficult for them to receive feedback. And that because they make those assumptions about women, that it is difficult for them to communicate. I, I will say that for some of your viewers, um, they're not always just trolling and trying to give you a hard time. Um, but their struggle is that sometimes it feels like the perspective is, here's where you women need to address things. But then I don't acknowledge that men have these same challenges. Even if they're these good quality men, they can still struggle with these same challenges too. And just like I don't want you all making assumptions about us, I think it's important that I present a fair and balanced side not to make assumptions about you. And I think that, that brings me right into my next question was, you know, we, we talk about this in accountability and on both sides. You know, Dr. Tarver, uh, how, what are some ways that men can be more accountable? And I know we're saying, look, it applies to men, applies to women, but we, we, we've already laid the foundation earlier in this podcast where we said that men and women are socialized different. Like it's hard to unsocialize these behavior patterns that have been trained and thrust upon you at the church, at the schoolhouse, on the boys don't cry and girls, uh, you know, don't don't ride pickup trucks and all this foolishness that we've laid out to, to try to negate the humanity of us all, that we are human and we will make decisions that are different than every other uh, same sex uh, human. And so um, when we look at it, um, how are men to be more accountable and not be characterized as F boys? If, if someone naturally has, a, 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 you know, uh, on occasion where you may start uh, with someone, you may engage with someone, you may want to be with that person for a long time, and then that that energy goes away, and you don't, you know, how are ways that for people to be more accountable and tell these truths about that, and, and not, men not feel so emotional that they're, they're now an F-boy, viewed as that when they're just struggling with that commitment, or that commitment has now changed, how do we get to that uh, point? Um, and and then separating that, so that's one, because I know I love to ask double questions. <laughs> so that, and then the second part of that is um, those men who we formally all agreed are F boys or uh, non-prime dating partners are, are not people that uh, we want to be with if we're being purposeful and, and strategic in our dating, that's not our ideal partner, well, it's a man or a woman. Um, how do we, how does that person improve themselves? Like if they're trying to improve, do we, we cut them under? Like if that person had kids, you know, you got a couple of baby mamas, do we, is he out of the dating pool? If, if she's got a couple of baby daddies, is she out of the dating pool? You know, so that, that space. So the first space is, you know, um, so I'll just let y'all try to answer those two questions. <laughs> I'm just so fascinated by this shit. I'm just learning. We, you know, we've been we've been able to be okay. I'm gonna we're gonna end this conversation and be on good terms. <laughs> um, no, in in all seriousness, like I uh, I very much appreciate Mr. Duran your your platform and how you use your platform in, in terms of accountability. I think that's one of the ways where we can have more accountability is for people to talk to each other about things like this. That it is that men hear other men say that you can go to therapy and it doesn't mean you're weak or inadequate or um, damaged in some way. It is simply another resource that you can utilize in order for you to be your healthiest self. I like to hear men talk about being married in a positive way. I like to hear 
um, men talking to other men about you're going to have challenges. Relationships are going to be difficult. Um, but if you leave out and you start something else in the midst of this, I can guarantee you that's not going to turn out really well. And so I think that's another level of accountability. And I think oftentimes, you, and you made this point earlier, Mr. Duran, and I agree, like a woman can't teach a man to be a man. A man has to teach a man to be a man. Just like a woman gets to teach a woman how to be a woman, because you have that experience and that knowledge and that background, it doesn't mean we can't share information. But you as a man know what the man experience is like. I will never as a woman know what it's like to be a man. And so it's important that you all as men create spaces of comfort for other men to talk about these things. And, and by all means, please get rid of these, these negative um, ways that we're raising our young boys that they can't have emotions, that they can't have feelings, that they can't express themselves, that if they do things that are um, what people consider gay or gonna make them sissies or punks, that we remove that from them instead of allowing our men to have a wider perspective that this is gonna answer that piece about the communication. If I never learned how to communicate as a kid, because I wasn't ever allowed to communicate and I was just taught, hey, you show up and you take care of what you need to take care of and I don't wanna hear anything about it, then how am I expected to learn how to communicate as a man? So that's the accountability piece, is men talking to other men about healthier ways to be men. Um, in terms of the other piece, are those folks out of the dating pool simply because they are not up to those standards? They're, no, they're not. They're not out of the dating pool. Now, they may not necessarily be the best fit for somebody who's further along in their journey. Um, nobody likes to be parented. So you definitely don't want to get with a partner that is going to say, well, you're in, um, you need to grow in these areas. So let me pull you along. Let me tell you what you're doing wrong. Like that feels horrible. Nobody needs to be in that relationship. Completely disrespectful. So as you're growing in that, you may decide, maybe I don't want to date as much. Maybe I want to work on these things first. And maybe I want to focus on dating in smaller amounts or figuring out the type of healthy people to date. But I'm not just out of the dating pool. I think we see ourselves as damaged. And when we do, then we end up getting with people that aren't going to validate us and love us and take care of us. So if you're feeling that way, then you don't need to be dating. You need to be working on yourself first. And then you can get in the Hmm. Wow. <laughs> yeah, uh, as, far as, as far as being on the dating pool, man, in any market system, um, the consumers and, and the market is going to balance itself out. Um, so the, the negative check marks or, or the hits that a person has on them, you got four baby daddies and whatever, the, you know, male or female, that just makes you less desirable to the people that you may be, be interested in. Um, that, does that mean you're not a quality person? Does that mean that you couldn't possibly meet you know, with somebody? Absolutely not. Um, you could have a Brady Bunch. Y'all both got four kids, you know what I'm saying? Like, like it's possible. Uh, financially, that'd be a, a nightmare. You know, I can't imagine <laughs> that type of household, but it's, it's possible because uh, in order to just make a relationship last, in order, you know, when you look at the, the natural pattern of dating. You meet, y'all hang out, y'all start kicking it. It's really just having positive experiences and being able to resolve the issues that that's the, the part. You know what I mean? Like, in, unless there's some major blow up or something that causes you to cut the person off, if you got those two things, if you like hanging out with them, you, you looking forward to seeing them again, and when y'all do have beef, y'all can get through it, then it's very likely that you're going to be dating the same chick from last homecoming or from last year, or you're, you're, they're going to be more and more part of your life. 
and that's how you get to the marriage. You know that actually lasts. Um, but a lot of a lot of people try to fast forward the process. They skip steps. They try to you know find shortcuts or life hacks or uh, things of that nature and put themselves in predicaments that they probably should never be in in the first place. Um, but it's possible for those people. I don't think nothing. You know, people ask questions. Should a person that's broke not date? Like you still gonna get horny, you still gonna desire companionship, and if you're attractive, you still gonna have people shooting their shot at you. So that's that's not really practical to expect somebody to just give up on that, because you can be broke and still be a great person to talk to, hang out with, and have sex with. Yeah, no, I think, uh, I think you guys, you guys both hit it on the head on that. Y'all both knocked out of the park, because I know, uh, I, I was like, wow, Dr. Tarp just gave this amazing answer. I was like, how are you going to follow that up? And, and, and Mr. Duran, you definitely did. You followed it up very well. Uh, you know, Dr. Tarver, are, are there some resources that you can help our listeners kind of, we can drive them to? Absolutely. Um, so there are a lot of different ways that people can find information. Like Mr. Duran has podcasts. He's on social media. There is a podcast and a social media following that I like for some of the women that may be coming to you, Mr. Duran, and saying they need more information, and it's called Therapy for Black Girls. Um, it's therapyforblackgirls.com. has a bunch of resources on it, including how to find a therapist uh, and find a therapist in your area. So it's statewide across the states you can find, and actually you don't even have to be a woman to do that. You can be a male as well if you prefer a black female therapist, because it's literally a roster of black female therapists in all of the United States. Uh, Dr. Joy Harden has worked really hard to put this together and much like you she has a podcast she's on social media and she's addressing these things but also if you're looking for a, a therapist then there is a mental health hotline that people can access 844-549-4266 and it will help you find a therapist and so I am pro-therapy I am pro working on yourself getting yourself to a healthy place before you get in a relationship and we have plenty of black therapists so if that's what a person is looking for and we definitely have resources for them. Uh, you know, in our own defense podcast, we've been discussing in this particular episode barriers to healthy dating relationships, and we had the privilege of bringing on our third coach, Mr. Terry Duran. Uh, Mr. Duran, you know, uh, if you don't mind in closing, can you give us your contact information, and, and so our listeners will be able to follow you and purchase your book, uh, the first book, Game Recognized Game, the novel that you wrote back when you were in college. Man, you make me feel bad. And then it's not that complicated how real men uh, feel about sex, love, and relationship. How do our listeners reach out to you or contact you or follow you? What's the best way to, to communicate with you? Um, uh, I can be reached. Uh, I, my website is just terryderon.com. It's T-E-R-R-Y-D-E-R-O-N.com. Um, or you can follow me on social media at Terry Duran. Um, my link in my Instagram bio, it has, uh, I have a link tree with links to my podcast, to my YouTube channel, um, and to all of my content. So between my, my website and my Instagram page, you can, a person can be able to access all my content. You know, I, I find it just absolutely amazing that you're able to constantly and consistently follow the diatribe that kind of goes on under you make a simple post and <laughs> thousands of people communicate after you've done that because you give out what i think is fair and balanced objective uh truths based on how a real man feels now uh 
There may be other opinions, um, but you you lay out yours uh, so very eloquently, and we're honored we're honored to have you on this show uh, to meet the muster and, and really kind of go head to head with Dr. Tar because I mean I I couldn't do it. She, she didn't <laughs> but uh, you know it was really good to see you here on the show. And so, did you have any final words that you would want to offer to uh, our listeners? Uh, well, I, I think y'all, y'all do a good job of, uh, this is a very professional uh, podcast, um, very well organized, and how, how you guys, uh, all the prep work and everything that you got going into it, so it, it's reflected uh, throughout the conversation, so I, I like that. Um, I think y'all, y'all doing a good job, um, y'all on the right path, you know, podcasting, you know, getting your feet into it, and collaborating with other people, getting the episodes, and, and cross collaborating with other people with platforms that definitely help you uh, grow and get your numbers up. But I enjoy the conversation. It's always good to uh, get a, a different perspective. So Dr. Trevor, I appreciate uh, your female, you being a woman and having a professional perspective um, and, and not doing some of the things that uh, ha- usually happen when I'm having these kind of conversations. Well, you know, it, it gets off rev, you, you touch a nerve or you say something that they, that, might trigger them but i think you did a good a uh, a really good job of keeping it about the conversation and not taking offense to nothing uh not that i was trying to offend you or anything but i enjoy conversations like this where uh, i'm talking to intelligent people that can actually articulate themselves um and if i did have a question or a follow-up they can provide a, a legitimate answer and don't just talk around you know talk in circles or whatnot so i think this is a real productive conversation i think your listeners will get a lot out of Thank you. Uh, Dr. Tarver? Um, I appreciate because I know it is, it is more than a notion to come on with a, with a woman to talk about relationships. And I'm sure there was probably some initial anxiety about how this conversation was going to go. But, but I think we did a great job in modeling. Like, we don't have to agree on everything. Our perspectives can be very different and they can still be valid perspectives and we can have a good conversation and leave people with some good helpful tips that they can utilize to be more effective communication communicator. So I appreciate the work that you're doing, that you're attempting to try to help people grow in that area. And it was more than a pleasure to be able to have a conversation with you today. Thank you for coming to our show. Anytime. And and in closing on my part, I'm just happy that I was able to be here and see it live and and just absorb these truths. Uh, I think I grew from it. Uh, and I definitely learned, and I want to put these tools in my toolkit. In our own defense podcast, we have been discussing various to healthy dating relationships with Arthur uh, and and life coach, Mr. Terry Duran. This concludes this episode of In Our Own Defense podcast. We're your host, Attorney A.D. Winters and Dr. Dolores Tarver. For more information about our podcast, please follow us on social media, on Instagram at In Our Own Defense, or you can email us at inourowndefense at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.